Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I am Warren. I am musically challenged. So before we get into our episode today, we gotta get out of these clothes. Woo! Not yet, not yet. Later. Um, I realized that there's something that I can do that will make all of us happy. Sing more. Yes, actually. Woo! And, uh... Part of that is, listeners, if you review our episode, I might sing it, the review, on the show. Okay. With discretion. Okay, so um, <laughs> uh, the problem that I'm just now realizing with this is that it encourages me to artificially inflate our own reviews so that I can <laughs> hear you sing more, which... I, I, Non-Warren reviews. I, I have... Well, you, you wouldn't know it was me. Uh, <laughs> I am now faced with a moral dilemma <laughs> that I never even thought could exist. And they'll all be pretty much improv like It'll be really fun. I like the sound. I just, I just want to hear you sing more on our show. Something like, you know, this from uh, Wilcox Rider 79, who is uh from dimension door podcast oh uh had reviewed our episode uh, or had reviewed our show um and this was back in june and i should have read it on the show and i didn't think to do it this is better than reading reviews on the show right now reading reviews <laughs> singing reviews Warren. singing reviews no now i'm gonna have it stuck in my head again i Can, just got it out can't sing anything that's not accurate <laughs> Just type it up. You try not to say fuck. <laughs> K will sing it. K will sing it. K will sing it. Nothing rude, though. I'm not singing rude shit. Just saying that right now. I'm not singing anything rude. So something like, As a fan of musical theater Who was born and raised in Utah this podcast speaks to me on many levels. Mm -hmm. I still have lots of episodes to look forward to, but I've listened to enough to already know. Absolutely love Kay and Warren and Latte. Their discussions are entertaining and informative, whether or not I've seen the musical in question. Who think the format of dollop meets musicals? Then go ahead and realize it's even better than that five stars. So if you want something like that, I want reviews. I want more like that. <laughs> more ex 
More excuses to have K sing. <laughs> so, so there we go. That's a little glimpse of what you can get if you review the show. New feature. Should have thought it sooner. <laughs> but hey, better late than never. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's a better late than never. I was like going, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work for some things, like condoms and then just birth <coughs> control. <coughs> requires a very specific time to use said thing. <laughs> before you might as well show it up your ass. Oh my gosh. Oh. As I smack my water cup into the microphone. So angry. I'm just very unprofessional. No worries, babe. So, first off, did not intend for everything we've reviewed this month to have been released in 1992 or 1993. I really didn't. It just happened that way. It just happened that way. It's it's a happy happenstance. It's a happy happenstance. So, this one is going to be one of our recovery musicals that actually is a box office bomb, but is also a classic. And I mean, this bombed really bad. And it may have been treated unfairly. So, it was popular enough on home video to later spawn a stage production, which we'll later watch as well. The movie, of course, that I'm talking about is Newsies. Boozies? Newsies, babe. <laughs> so, Newsies is a live-action Disney musical that takes place during the 1899 Newsboys strike. As with most musicals, don't use this as the basis for a history class. You will not pass. <laughs> However, fun fact, this has a Sage and Savant connection. Really? Yes. The episode Georgie Porgy Puddin' and Pie takes uh-huh. place during the Newsboys yes. strike. Okay, okay, that that makes sense. Yes. That reminds me, I remember that episode and... Uh, and yeah. me being like, Warren! Yeah. Warren! <laughs> This is the Newsboy strike! So I have a question, and yes. I don't know if you'll cover it. Did this, did Newsies exist before Disney made it into a movie? Like, was it a pre-existing this thing? Is a, this is a Disney thing. Okay, so Disney... Yeah, Disney, Disney was responsible for for inventing this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they they basically are taking a real story and Disneyfying it, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about a which little bit a, later. as Disney's gonna Disney. Yeah, Disney gonna Disney. So, this musical was written by Alan Menken, who is behind quite a few pretty famous musicals and scores. Things like Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Enchanted, Hercules, Little Shop of Horrors, and Sausage Party. What? Uh, Yes. I was horrified when I found that out. Okay, well... Uh... Okay. (laughs) I I was gonna say, I like like his body of work, uh... Mostly. Mostly. I will say this, I still have no desire to see Sausage Party. On a tangent, I initially really wanted to see it just because for the, uh, uh, I don't know, just the experience of seeing a very inappropriate adult animation. Mm-hmm. But then when I heard some of the dirty laundry being aired that they were like not paying animators mm-hmm. and not paying for overtime and a lot of people, it kind of it made me go, okay, fine, no. If you're yeah. not respecting your work staff, I don't want to yeah. give you any of my Fuck support. Y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I had no desire to watch it because someone posted the entire food orgy scene on Facebook one time and didn't tell me what it was. And so I'm scrolling through and I'm like, 
this animation looks familiar. Oh, God, no! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Also, words I never thought I would have to say. Food, orgy, scene. Anyway. Um, so, at this point, Mencken's collaborator, Howard Ashman, was dying from AIDS. So, this is one of the... Uh, I, I don't know for sure if... No, this wouldn't be the first one he did without him, but this is definitely, like, right after Howard Ashman dies, uh, this movie gets released, because Howard Ashman dies in 1991. Um, Jack Feldman, instead, was brought on to do the lyrics. The screenplay is written by husband and wife duo Noni White and Bob Sudiker, and the film is directed by Kenny Ortega. Cast list is where it gets fucking buck wild. So... We have some folks who, at the time, are already big. Robert Duvall, Bill Pullman, and Margaret. But the lead of this musical is where it gets really wild. Our lead is someone who would later go on to avenge his parents after they were killed leaving an opera, and then he would go on to lead the resistance against the Terminators. <laughs> Christian fucking Bale. <laughs> Interesting. I, I I don't think I've ever seen him in a singing role. No. <laughs> and he's not bad okay. in this. That's the that's the thing because I didn't. So this is how much I didn't care about <laughs> about this movie really like growing up because this was more popular with some of the other girls in my class who were like, oh my gosh, he's so hot. Um, mm. I was just more like, hey, the music's kind of fun. You know, and I I think it was like a birthday party or something that we watched this. And I I didn't even care enough about Christian Bale. So when he comes out as Batman, I'm like, okay, this up and comer, Christian Bale, sure, whatever. <laughs> Not realizing he had been in Newsies. And then I was like, oh, he was the lead in Newsies. Huh. Look at me. I'm the king of New York. I'm the king of Gotham. Extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> so, so my uh, Alex Jones joke last week <laughs> for fake newsies is extra funny. Christian Bale could reprise, like, be in fake newsies and do his Batman voice for Chris, for uh, the Alex Jones character <laughs> of fake newsies. Oh, if only we had. If only we had the uh, the money and the production staff I know, to I make know, things. I wish. God, I wish. So, this is not... With, with Christian Bale being in this, I do want to say this was not originally intended to be a musical, but then they went, oh, well, we're Disney. Let's make it a musical. Um, and that kind of explains the flopping. It's not because the musical numbers aren't memorable or good, I have two of the songs on the rotation of songs that are stuck in my head all the fucking time. Really? Yeah. Seize the Day and King of the New York, or King of New York are always cycling through my roster of songs that you're, will you're, always get stuck in my head. Your internal mental playlist? Yes. So when, when the folks in uh, the memory bank decide to really fuck with me, <laughs> this is one of the songs in there. Um, and... <sighs> It's more because Disney leaned a little too hard on the songs and not enough on the plot. Because this is an interesting picture or period of time and could have been covered with some nuance, but Disney's not good at nuance. No, they're not. No. D um, 
No. They're really not. <laughs> um, the closest to nuance that I've seen in recent Disney is Princess and the Frog with the scenes where Tiana isn't able to get her restaurant paid for. Like, even with the money that she has, they're like, oh no, we're, we're going to sell it to someone else. Yeah, because a, a, yeah. a single black woman mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. run a business you know yeah and but uh let's see well, disney doesn't uh do nuance because they're too stuck doing old aunts like they just really <laughs> stick with doing things traditionally you know <laughs> is there a seagull in here Did i leave that window open where's my gun that's a felony in the state. <laughs> oh, I guess it is. <laughs> um, Damn dumpster divers. Anyway. <laughs> hey, now, seagulls are good. Like, they have a niche. We just screwed up their environment. Touche. Yeah. No. I will I will die on that hill. <laughs> Actually, also, seagulls aren't a real thing. But anyway. <laughs> this is not a bird podcast. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Hey, if a bird, mu- if a bird musical that isn't honk <laughs> is... About geese? What? We're so covering that if I can find a good production. Okay. (laughs) Back on track. Back on track. So, um, I found a really good article by Ant Jackson, which sounds like a newsy name, from Medium. And he talks about reasons this movie flopped, and I kind of have to agree with him on them. Because this is a case of trying to cram too many historical things in, but not staying focused. Mm. As well as... Christian Bale's character is a combination of Kid Blink, who, uh, his fir- his real name... <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Kid Blink. Just wait. It's like a really... It's like Kid Bop for blind people. So, I don't know. Like... Kid Blink's real name was Louis Belletti, and he was a one-eyed newsie. That's why he was Kid Blink. Jesus Christ. And it's a combination of him and Morris Cohen. And Blink is given a supporting role so that Jack Cowboy Kelly, the chimera played by Christian Bale, can have the lead and have a not quite accurate story. <laughs> so he's a he's a chimera because he goes on later to be a half man bat, right? Like that. Well, because he's a mix of different people. He's a mix of two different actual people to create this cowboy. Okay, okay, Cowboy Kelly. You're getting your your things mixed up. That's not a chimera, that's a fusion. Fusion In the world of Full Metal Alchemist, that's a chimera. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) There's a whole song where he's just, Edward. Don't you do that. Not now. Stop it. Get back to your notes. (laughs) Um, And the ending is going to be very wishful thinking. Oh, yeah? Because the actual way that this ends in in history is uh, not climactic. Oh, (laughs) Whereas this is going to be very climactic at the end of it. So it more ended with a whimper rather than a bang? Mm Mm-hmm. 
it ended with a compromise rather than a how it's gonna man. yeah rather than a victory well i guess because a compromise was anyway, anyway. yeah it's basically they take a true story and disnify it which later ends up with more rousing success for pocahontas where we completely whitewash what happened to a literal fucking child yep but i digress I need to stop dragging Disney so much in this episode. Anyway. I mean, they deserve it. They deserve it. So if you don't want to be dragged, maybe don't give us so much rope. Yep. So they also kind of make folks into one-dimensional villains in this. Mm. Um, I won't say that Pulitzer was a good guy. Most rich white men at the time probably had some skeletons in the living room. But. (laughs) That took me a minute to (laughs) realize. That's awesome. But, it, thank you, it was okay for him, in quotes, because 1800s. But they really just have him very one-dimensional. Mm. And uh, this article talks about, uh, this article that I used is sort of the basis for looking at more the actual reasons why this didn't do well. Uh, talks about how the ending is fucking ridiculous. And it mm. kind of is. It like for the not just for the oh we have a rousing victory but things that couldn't historically happen that i figure someone with more of a history podcast slant could cover that better because yeah there's stuff that happens in newsies that couldn't have happened uh which happens with a lot of the shows that we cover that are historical which happens with just about anything that disney has ever done but Uh, also not just disney like other other shows like 1776 or like hamilton even or uh other shows evita there are things that couldn't happen that they put in there to entertainment yeah for entertainment are you not entertained but this movie does have a lot going for it in the music department because there's a reason that alan menken is such a prolific artist his music gets stuck in your head and it is pretty damn fun and i was gonna say like when you're reading off his uh his catalog with the exception of sausage party i was like okay yeah solid solid body of work there and you can think about a song from every single show of his like if you give me enough time yes yeah because me did fair fair (laughs) fair but like (laughs) if i were to list off a show like little shop of horrors you've got a plethora of songs to pick from that are iconic songs Uh, If I were to read off Beauty and the Beast, immediately you've got songs. You know, that's because he knows how to write catchy shit and how to write memorable shit. Um, But would you say that he knows how to write for the mainstream? Yes. So he he writes for the mainstream. He kind of knows how to write in a in a formula that will guarantee a certain level of success in terms of yes. catchiness. Like, yes. doesn't really do anything experimental, just kind of sticks with the tried and true. Yeah, his, his, you can pick his stuff out from a lineup pretty easily. People say that, like, I've heard that used for, uh, what's his name? What's his name? 
popular composer for a lot of film. Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say that for Danny Elfman, too. Yeah. Like, you can pick out certain people's scores. Mm-hmm. I assume that people who have ears that function correctly and yeah. connect to the right centers of their brain mm-hmm. can do that. Yes. I can just tell if it sounds good to my ear holes or not. And, you know, there are people who I think probably try to copy Mencken's because it is successful for a reason. Art, it, it's good. Artists imitate each other. You yeah. know, something works for one person, someone else will try it, and then hopefully, if they imitate, mm-hmm. they at least expand on it and build from it. Yeah, is the idea. And and it's not bad to have it be where we can pick your music out from a lineup. Now, because as much as we drag Weber, you can pick his music out from a lineup, and some of it is really good. Some of it is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So it's it's not bad that you can pick it out from a lineup. It's just that's what it is. It is what it is. You hear Mencken, you you hear a piece of music that's his and you know it's his. Um, but back to this movie. Like I said, this movie flopped. How hard did it, it flop? It cost $15 million. Warren, it's time to play. <laughs> How much did this make? Oh, um, all right, Warren. It cost fifteen million. It flopped. How much did it make? I'm going to say that it made ten million. Oh boy! Price is right rules. You would have lost. So it made. Let's, let me try again. It made nine point eight million. Still would have lost. Oh, okay. Two point eight million. What? Yes. Oh, I'm amazed Disney didn't bury it. That is a category five fucking belly flop. Yes. Holy shit. Leonard Malton. Holy shit. Who we've talked about in the past called it Howard the Paperboy. So (laughs) that he could drag both Howard the Duck and Newsies. Wow. Yeah. Home video releases are probably what saved this and made it a cult classic. Because like I said, this movie became a cult classic, and that's because of home video. And you said this came out in 93, right? 92. 92. Yeah, I mean, I would have been I would have been probably too little to be paying attention to commercials mm-hmm. at the time. And I don't remember seeing commercials for it, but the thing that always got me was uh, there was a kid's station here in Utah that uh, first started out as Imagination Station and then became Radio Oz, and... Uh, what I really liked about that station was that they played a lot of songs from musicals on it, too. And so that's where I kind of started getting into some of the shows. And uh, that's actually where I got interest- introduced to Broadway Kids, which, granted, it's kids bop for Broadway. <laughs> but I still liked it better than anything like kids bop, because that came out when I was still at the age where they were marketing to me. Um, you know what I want to see? I really want to see a kids bop where the kids all sing very explicit songs that are not at all appropriate for children. I want to see kids bop, like... Now, do you mean uncensored or where they change the lyrics? Because they no, do... The ones where they where it's not censored, you know? Like, I, I want to see a, a group of kids sing... Jesus Christ! You know, sing, like, one of Eminem's songs about <laughs> slapping titties or something. Just the, the, whoa, as I, oh, ah. oh no, earthquake on the mic. 
Okay, we're good. I will try not to bump that again. Just just the uh the uh <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why my brain just fired that random thought and goes, I wanna see a ten year old sing about things that they shouldn't even know exist. A child needs to be psychologically scarred for my entertainment, is what I'm getting at. Oh fuck. I cannot feel joy unless somebody else is suffering. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I kid, I kid. <laughs> Where was I? Uh, you were right there where you've been this whole <laughs> recording. Uh, if you mean your notes, we were talking about just how hard this motherfucker flopped oh, and how oh. video. Kids bop. Kids bop. That's why. Um, so, like, Seize the Day played on the radio. And that's a song from this. And so that sort of gets it in your head, and then you want to see what it's from. I have a feeling that I'm familiar with Seize the Day, and I don't know it. And you will it will probably be one where once it starts, you'll be like, oh. this motherfucking song! <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. I, I just, I, I remember, because I'm pretty sure I've only ever seen this once, so this will be like watching it new for me. Nice. <laughs> um... But it's it's one of those things where I remember kids being into like other girls being into it because of Christian Bale, but it was mm. before he was Christian Bale, and me being kind of like, eh. So it was before he was, he was was he Hey Bale? Like what was he before? Hey Bale, you're Christian, right? Oh my God. So, um, fun fact: he was embarrassed to be in this movie as a kid. Because it was a musical and he didn't want to tell his friends <laughs> that he was in a musical. How old was it? I guess I, I guess I, I, I forget that Christian Bale is probably much closer to my age than I think he is. He's in his 40s, I think. Late 40s, early 50s. He was born in 73. Oh. Okay, so he would have been in his, his early... He would have been like 19 or 20. Yeah, when... yeah. So, you know, he was... Old enough to still be embarrassed about being in a musical and not wanting to tell his friends. Hmm. I mean, instead of later being like, "Oh, musicals are what get women to suck penis," according <laughs> to uh, Matt and Trey. <laughs> it's called subtext, Kay. <laughs> Jesus, but yeah, um, I kind of, I, I don't know. I'm kind of like fail. Was that the reason you were embarrassed, or did you see the writing on the wall that this might be a flop? Because it's okay to say that that's why. Because saying that you were embarrassed to be in a musical kind of makes me go, mm-hmm. Okay. No, he hasn't been in a musical since. That's true. For all that's we, I mean, true. Uh, who, knows? who knows? Maybe Batman destroyed his voice. <laughs> he didn't do the right vocal techniques to do Batman as, like, a regular thing. To do his deep, growly Batman voice. Got it? You gotta take care of your voice, people. On a you side, never know. On a side note, just because it's a really quick side note, I thought Christian Bale did a good Bruce Wayne, mm -hmm. but I did not like his Batman. His Batman I did not sucked. like his Batman at all. I will still stand by uh, Michael Keaton as the best, both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yes. On a further note, Val Kilmer did an okay job. I try to forget George Clooney. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll give him credit, uh, uh, Brendan Fraser, not Brendan Fraser. <laughs> I wish. Uh, ben Affleck, because those two look alike. Both <laughs> white They're guys. They're both white guys with dark hair. 
fuck me. Anyway, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Later. He, ben Affleck did a good... As much as I'm not a huge Affleck fan, he did a good job. He did. He did a better job in my eyes than, like, Bale's kind of low-tier Batman for me. He's middling for me. Mm-hmm. Anyways. He's he's high-tier Bruce Wayne, but low-tier Batman. Oh, there you go. Fair. Yeah. There Fair we go. Fair and balanced. Yeah. Fair and balanced. That's, uh... That's my faux news. Um, anyway, <laughs> are you ready to go seize the day and watch Newsies? I'm ready to extra, extra read all about it. <laughs> or see all about it? See all about it. I, I tip my paperboy hat to this transition to go see this musical. Oh, let's go. Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu, and our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Hello, you magnificent podcast listeners out there. I'm James, the producer and GM for the Dimension Door podcast. If you're interested in listening to a mercenary... While they're trying to figure out who he is, I kind of walk over and try to shake him to wake him up. Hey, wake up. A wise woman... Do not touch my patient, sir. You typically do not shake a man near death. A doctor... Is he wearing glasses? Because if he's not wearing glasses, I could slap him and see if I could wake him up. But I wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. And a nurse. Well, it's almost like this uh, this poor deer here uh, got stuck in some snow or something. He's got some coldness going on in his nose and his ears. Work together to figure out the mystery of a snowstorm in the midst of summer. Check us out. If that doesn't sound interesting enough, what if I told you that one of them permanently shrinks 10 inches in the first episode? Two of them are bipedal rats and one of them is literally a witch. We have an award-winning sound designer, a written adaptation of every episode, and a ton of fun. If any of that sounds interesting, check us out as we play through Paizo's Pathfinder Reign of Winter campaign. You can find us at DimensionDoorPodcast.com, on Twitter at DimensionPod, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And now... The lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Alright babe, so uh, what'd you think of that one? Extra, extra, gather round! Newsies musicals enjoyable and is worth a watch! Extra, extra! <laughs> I liked it. I like, I'm glad. I like glad. It. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I liked it better as a movie than as a musical. Mm-hmm. Might be my my uh, hot take on it. Yeah. Um, because there were songs that were catchy that I did like, mm-hmm. but overall, I don't think the music is gonna stick with me. Really, you're lucky. You're I'm, very lucky. I'm musically challenged, my darling. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was. There was a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I am. I do feel bad that it at least didn't make its budget back. You know, yeah. Because uh, it's it's not so bad that it 
Well, I mean, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. It, just as its individual components, it's not bad. Yeah. It is perfectly serviceable. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to, I don't know, give this a rating, I'd probably give it a 3 out of 5, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe a 7 out of 10. Yeah. You know, it's there's there's really nothing wrong with it. Yeah. That's so true. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just... It's, 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 it's it was why, fun. Yeah, that's why I was a little bit surprised. Like, I could understand why it flopped, but at the same time, it's like, but it is still enjoyable, and it still kind of holds up as a fun yeah. family movie. Yeah, I mean, well, it's definitely... It's marketed as a family yeah, it's movie. it's marketed as family. I mean, it does show, you know, kids drinking and kids smoking. Eh, so does Peter Pan. Touche. <laughs> Put me in my place, Kay. Uh... Yeah, I Peter mean, Pan's worse about it too. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's perfectly serviceable. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any overt uh, objections about it. More any any issues that I have really with it is more about America at the time. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's more um, issues with the historical reality. Of the time period that it takes mm-hmm. place with. So, yeah, and they kind of whitewash that historical reality a little bit, but it is Disney. It's Disney, you yeah, know. Yeah, so you can't... So, which which I'm gonna... I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some comments about that, because at the very, <laughs> very, very beginning of this movie, we have... Ha ha! This story is based on actual events! Ha ha! Ha ha! It's just the beginning for some for someone full of shit to okay. This story is based on actual <laughs> events is just the best thing for someone full of shit to say. It's one of those it's like I I hate seeing movies when they're like based on true events or inspired by actual events. You know mm-hmm. the the wording of that is so misleading because mm-hmm. they are trying to portray, "Hey, this happened." This happened, guys. You're still a little bitter about hidden figures, huh? Uh, I don't like... (coughs) I don't like when people manipulate historical events Mm -hmm. for the purposes of entertainment. If you're going to talk about something historical, I get that you want to have it be entertaining. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... You don't need to add shit that didn't happen. If you embellish too much, you are lying. Mm -hmm. That's my Mm -hmm. issue. Um, and so when I see something like that, you know, it just, I look at that and I go, okay, well, it's based on historical events. Yep. It took place in New York at this time and there was a strike. Good night, folks. Like I did a little bit of digging while you were finishing up your notes just to see how much matched up. And there are things that match up, but again, it's because they took Kid Blink's story and kind of made a cowboy, uh... Kelly's story, so... Yeah, spoiler, he does not go by that name at all anywhere in my notes. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So... <laughs> Is it the Batinator? Batinator? That's Bat Connor? That's actually not... You're, you're actually... Uh, Bruce Connor? <laughs> it's... Cl- I'm not... I'm, you're gonna, you're gonna okay. have to wait. <laughs> I'm a little scared. <laughs> Anyways, that... Uh, Based on actual events, bullshit out of the way. 
We get ex we get the exposition of a of a vagrant talking about kids on the street corners selling newspapers or newsies as they were known. The exposition explains that orphans and runaways uh, mostly comprised these newsies and that they were disorganized and without leadership. That is until the chosen one, he who was neither bat nor man, born of a mammal without flight, he he would soon find his wings and soar. It's Christian Bale! He's the leader of these rapscallions, or soon-to-be leader anyways. An old guy is coming around the kids, giggity, and, sm <laughs> and smacking them in their bunks going, Get up! Get up! Get up, you little shits! Get up! <laughs> Except it's Disney, so there's no shit. So there's no shits. Uh, <laughs> and the horde of young lads rise and shine and start the day. These kids have papers to sell, but first... They gotta sing while getting ready. <laughs> Commenting on how so-and-so uh, smells, or so-and-so met a girl, or so-and-so is so concerned that there are so many fake cripples on the street selling papers that people might think he's faking it, and how the dishonesty of others has affected his ability to sell <laughs> papers. Perhaps he should relocate to a section of the city where people don't recognize him, which prompts more discussion about the good spots to sell where clientele can all read. <laughs> and, uh... I will say, I don't know who the young man is. This... Well, the actor who played him? You and I have wildly different trains of thought. Oh! I I don't know... I don't know the name of the kid. He's in it. He's in some of the, the ensemble singing roles. And he's the one that talks about he met a girl. At the very beginning of this... When all the kids are getting ready, a lot of them are shirtless. That kid is fucking oh, that ripped. kid, yeah. I I could not tear my way, my eyes off this kid's abs, man. I had such ab envy of this this newsy kid. Because I'm just sitting here looking at this guy, and I'm just like, God damn, you're fucking fit. Like, I, I tease uh, uh, Donny Osmond about rocking that hard slave bod. Like, this kid's rocking his hard newsies bod. I'm like, oh my god. He sells his papers, and then he goes into the alley and, and f I don't know, free runs across the whole city. Like, <laughs> Anyways. Deadlifts a dead guy. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Kid, <laughs> There were those all over the place in the alleys oh, at the time. So No kidding. <laughs> you know... If I wasn't comfortable enough in my sexuality, I would be a little off-put by the fact that I just keep staring at this guy's abs like... <laughs> Honey, I might be a tad gay. I'm more concerned. About the old man coming around the kids, Giggity? No. <laughs> Gather your thoughts, dear. Should I continue and we'll come back to you? I'm just sitting here like, that one's obviously not a kid. <laughs> well, the, it seems like the age, I mean, then again, um, the age ranges, it seems like they're all probably, you know, the oldest one's probably being like 19, maybe yeah. 20. Like still, yeah. still kids, but they're trying to make it on that's their own. That's not you know? a newsy kid. That's not uh -huh. like the kid that you would imagine selling papers. That's no, a kid that's that you'd kid. imagine being a prize fighter. That's a kid I imagine being a bodyguard somewhere. <laughs> Even though he's short, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't want to brawl with him. That's the kid that the newsies send in to 
be their prize fighter on like the street fights. Yeah, and there stuff. you go, like, the street boxing. <laughs> Okay, okay. I want 50 cents on Abby. <laughs> oh, I should have named him Abby. He, he doesn't have that huge of a role. He's just kind of there in the background when other people are doing stuff. To make you a little unsettled. Maybe. I mean, I noticed him every time. But, <laughs> okay. The young men run around getting bathed, dressed, and shaved, and take to the streets to run and jump and flip. All while proclaiming that they need an assassination, or an earthquake, or a war. Something horrible! <laughs> so that they can sell papers, capitalizing on strategy, uh, capitalizing on tragedy, the American way. Anyways, these <laughs> Remember young- Remember the Maine! Yeah, yeah, exactly, very well. Which, very- one of the two newspaper giants in this is, uh, one of the folks responsible for the- yellow journalism at the time so there's yeah that. it's it's uh yeah it's you know especially in the time that we live in when there's so much scrutiny uh offered up to mainstream media mm-hmm. um especially since we have a president who's all about lugan press uh <sighs> fucking good yeah so, anyway and it's one of those things that it's like <laughs> people need to hold themselves uh <clears throat> To a higher standard, because if you don't lie, mm-hmm. you can never have it proven that you fucking lied. Mm-hmm. But when you get, like, these newspaper people of the time who would fabricate stories, like, send a journalist to go jump off a boat and be like, Oh, I almost drowned, so they can write a story in papers. It's just... It's maddening. It's maddening. It's maddening, and I hate it. Anyways, hopping off that soapbox. Uh, capitalizing on tragedy the American way. Anyways, these young entrepreneurs gather outside the, um, paper farm where all the papers are grown, uh, born, extracted, compiled, fabricated, manufactured. The young men. Printed. If you want to be like that, Katie, I mean... I'm trying to add a little something, a little pizzazz to the show, and you're just like, Much no, like they're the printed. headlines. <laughs> hey, headlines don't sell papers. Newsies, Newsies do. sell papers. <laughs> All right. Fuck. Uh, the young men then proceed to approach and buy their papers for the day from a man named Weasel. Well, I mean, it's Weasel, but mm. everybody calls him Weasel because he's a Weasley fuck. Mm. Uh, actually, on a side note, I actually like that actor. He's a really good... Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember his name. He's really good at being despicable. Mm-hmm. I always think of him more from... Uh, wait, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong... I might be I might be thinking of two different fat white guys. Which uh, one are you thinking of? I was... Yeah, it's... Okay, never mind. The more I think about it, I'm wrong. Were you thinking of Newman? No, 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 okay. no, no. I, uh, similar, similar, yeah, similar behavior and, um, acting mm-hmm. style of, as the actor that plays Newman. Um, but I was thinking of the lawyer f- of, of Smoochie in Death to Smoochie. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, he does. But it's not that no, guy. No, it's not that guy. He was He's in... got, he's kind of got a voice like this. Davy. Godzilla, maybe? I don't recall. Anyways, anyways yeah, yeah. D- d- we're digressing on a character who doesn't really matter all that much. <laughs> Other than uh, being the main thrust yeah, I mean, of he... the second act. But... Oh, okay. okay, so Weasel <laughs> Weasel is the intermediary for the distributors to buy the papers to then sell and make their money back. And you know, mm-hmm. So they talk about, what is it, they, it's, it's uh, 50 cents for 100 papers, is yep. that what it is? And then the kids sell them... Uh, uh, 
Is it, what are they selling for? Oh, gosh. Is this something like a penny of paper or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. That's what it is. It's 50 cents for 100 papers, and then mm-hmm. the kids sell them for a penny a piece so that yeah. they make 50 cents. If yeah. they sell all 100 papers, they make 50 cents. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. They buy their papers from a man named Weasel. <sighs> Bruce Newsy. <laughs> Christian Bale's character. <laughs> Who also played Bruce Wayne. So he's Bruce Newsy, or Bruzy, as I so cleverly call him. Fuck. Bruzy meets a pair of brothers who are new to the paper scene. uh, Bruce Newsy convinces the pair of brothers to be selling, to be his selling partners, since there is a little brother out of the pair, and Bruzy knows that he can exploit that young kid to sell more papers. Bruzy and the brothers work out a 60-40 split, since Bruzy is the best of all the newsies, and all the newsies say so. So they're like, (laughs) you're going to be learning from the best, da-da-da-da-da-da, and so they're like, you should take this deal. And they do. The horde of paper pushers head to the streets and start their <laughs> carnival barking. Bruzies give, uh, Bruzy gives little brother tips, saying, uh, say you're seven, not ten. Cough, act like you're sick and pathetic. And it works! <laughs> the little kid is unnatural, and the brothers and the Bruzy continue on their business venture. The boys find their way to a crowd, watching some street boxers. It is where we get a glimpse of a baddie who recognizes Bruzy and sends a cop after him. Turns out, Bruzy was a kid in jail and escaped, and this baddie warden wants to apprehend the street rat again. The boys run from the fuzz and escape into a brothel or burlesque place. Uh, would be a cabaret. Cabaret. Of some sort. Bruzy knows the owner, who is a fancy dancing business lady, and she tells the boys that they can hang out there as long as they need. Played by Tommy Mommy. Yes, Tommy Mommy, and... She she was great. She mm-hmm. was very enjoyable. I she, meant to call her a tone deaf alum in the in the opening part, and I forgot to. Sorry, yeah. Anne Margaret. You are still a tone deaf alum. Anne Margaret. She did a great job. You in are this. a two time tone deaf uh, alum. She was gorgeous. Her character was was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I got nothing negative to say about her other than no champagne. Thank God. <laughs> prob- <laughs> uh, yeah, diarrhea, <laughs> champagne, baked beans, nightmare. Anyways. <laughs> We don't have enough acid. Your, in... your negative about her was what? We don't, oh, I have nothing negative oh, to say about. Oh, negative. I guess other than she probably shouldn't have children smoking and drinking in her establishment, but whatever. It's the eighteen yeah, nineties. Yeah, it's eighteen ninety nine. So, you know, <laughs> they already have a short life. Yeah, fair. <laughs> the little brother gets loaded up with sugar, and the lads go out to watch the burlesque performance and. I hump the fancy dancy business lady. After the puberty accelerating experience, <laughs> Bruzy explains fancy dancy business lady is a friend of his father's and that his family is out west looking for a place to live. Santa Fe. And once they get some land, they'll send for him and he'll get to be a real cowboy. Oh yeah, so uh, Bruzy's nickname is Cowboy. Anyways... Mm-hmm. Bruzy and the brothers are about to go their separate ways when the older paper brother is like, Hey, come to our place for dinner. Meet my parents. And Bruzy Cow Batman (laughs) complies. 
And the Paper Brother, at the Paper Brothers' estate, we see a loving father with an arm in a sling, a kind, loving mother, an inquisitive middle sister, all welcome Bruzy Cow Batman to their home and thank him for helping the Paper Brothers, David and Les. But I will never call them that again the rest of my notes. <laughs> in selling papers and making money for the family, since the father is obviously injured and cannot work. Over the course of dinner, Bruzy wins over the family, not even making the father angry when he eye-humps his daughter right in front of him. And the father <laughs> insists that they eat his birthday cake that was supposed to be for tomorrow. Today! To celebrate Bruzy and his boy's success. We learn that, pa that a paper father only wants his paper boys to work until he's healed and can go back to the factory. We see some subtle acting! <laughs> By Bruzy, who gets a little emotional and sad about being around this loving family, but his family is not around. As the family eats cake, Little Paper Brother is in his bed sleeping, and he sleep-sings the fancy-dancy business lady's burlesque song, much to the chagrin of the of older boys and the disapproving query of the parents. We're like, <laughs> what is this now? And they're just like, ha, ha, ha. I don't even remember the song that he was singing, but it was, you know, yeah. it, was, it was something along the lines of like, come to me, boys, you know, like yeah. a, a flirtatious. It was kind of forgettable. Like, that's one it of really the was. more forgettable songs in I, it. Well, and I feel bad because, uh, like, you know, we, because I am me, uh, <laughs> I always need subtitles if they're available. Yeah. And a lot of the songs, the lyrics, I thought, were very re well written. Mm -hmm. Um the problem with a lot of it, though, is that I didn't, like I said, the music I felt like was serviceable, mm -hmm. but it wasn't exceptional. Yeah. Um, at least my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it's pro I'm not going to really, as we're sitting here now, I don't have anything stuck in my head. You lucky bastard. <laughs> it's my curse. It's my gift. <laughs> the, the show sounded good to my ear holes, but mm -hmm. not good enough for me to take some of those songs and put them on a playlist or anything like that. So I wish I were you right now, because I have three songs roaring in my head. <laughs> Fucking musical. <laughs> it's a <sighs> carrying a banner for it all. The scene changes to Bruzy and Big Paper Brother discussing outside that Paper Father was injured at the factory. Paper and they're, Father? They're the Paper family. Are they Paper Mario's family? <laughs> I thought about including some jokes in there since we've been talking to Shay and she's been talking about Paper Mario, but uh, that just didn't really, didn't really organically manifest itself. So they're talking about uh, Paper Father who was injured at the factory and then they just fired him because it's 1899 and no workers have any rights. Older paper brother laments that his father is not part of a union and can't get any outside assistance. Bruzy bids his new friend a good night and we will see him tomorrow. So it's like, as they're talking, you get the, because the father is very much to the oldest son, like, Nana, you know, you're going to go back to school like you promised mm -hmm. you would and da da da. I'll, you know, I'll be working. I'll provide for the family. But they... But from what the conversation indicated, his injury is probably severe enough that he will never fully heal and yeah. be able to use that arm. And so the son is looking at the situation like, I need to have a steady, reliable 
source mm-hmm. of income so I can help support my family. Yep. And so even though his dad wants to go back to work, the son is of the mm-hmm. mind of you're never going to be able to go back to work. Yeah. So I've got to make this work. And there's a line in there, too, that even the daughter's working. Yeah, yeah. the daughter seems to be working some laundry. Like She's, working she's at laundry. another factory. Probably closer to Triangle Shirtwaist, so it would be like a... Okay. Yeah. I just remember later on we see her carrying like laundry basket and mm-hmm. that she could have just been... Doing, doing the, the fucking laundry, laundry, you know. I just thought that that might have been part of her job. So anyway, so Kay is correct. I am wrong. What else is new? Uh, <laughs> hey, now, sometimes you're the correct one. Hey, hey, now, sometimes you're a rock star. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. Get your game on. Go play. Warren, no. <laughs> hey, now, you're on tone deaf. Take some bad notes. You can't <laughs> remember songs because you're a joke. Oh. And all those Richards are jokes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Bruzy bids his new friend a good night, and uh, he will see him tomorrow. Bruzy has a sad song walking home about his family, because they're not around. And we kind of get the impression that maybe his family is, like, gone-gone, or left him, or doesn't want him. Something undisclosed, but obviously distressing to Bruzy. Who continues to sing and dance and steals a horse for the musical lulls. Like, he just fucking up and steals a horse. And I don't know if they show what he does with the horse. Does he just hop off it and yeah, leave it? Yeah, he just hops off and the horse walks off chomping at its bit because the oh bit gosh. got misplaced in his so, mouth. I'm just sitting here like, just with this guy. Just, you know, uh, casual Grand Theft Equine, you know. <laughs> Oh God! So, <laughs> so you're like you know I'm I'm not a a, a super huge Grand Theft Auto fan like that genre mm-hmm. of game. Uh, I prefer science fiction fantasy. Anyways, the makers of Grand Theft Auto make a game called Red Dead Redemption. I I was about to make a Red Dead Redemption yeah. joke. <laughs> That's basically old West Grand Theft Auto. I it's just Grand Theft Equine. Grand Theft Equine. There we go. <laughs> okay. And this is where we learn that Christian Bale. Can't is singing sing. out of his range because they're Christian Bale can't sing really. not very well, and I don't hold it against him because he. I I don't think he's a bad actor. I've seen him in no, movies that he's... I've really liked him in. I do think he has kind of a in my. Have you haven't seen the Prestige, right? No, I haven't. He's really I would, good. In I that. would love to see that one. Um, that's something we need to watch. But he's really good in that. But I feel like his range is kind of limited to. Either suave, confident, or dark and brooding. Yes. And I don't really feel like he has much in between those two. No. But when he does those, he does them really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is my two cents. He, it, it felt like he he struggled with sustaining notes, and he struggled with anything. They were having him sing out of his range, it felt like. Like... It, he was hit. He was having trouble with some of those higher notes. And what was he is he has a very limited vocal range too. And what was funny too is you talking about in the first in the opening of the show, um, how he didn't tell any of his friends that he was doing this. You mm-hmm. know, I can kind of see why mm-hmm. because there's some parts with him where he's singing and dancing by himself that I I kind of feel a little bit of embarrassment for him. Mm-hmm. Uh just I get it. If I was. Mm-hmm. I, if I was him, I probably wouldn't have been telling people I was in it either. So if if you don't sell it, then it's not something you want people to see. If you can sell your singing and dancing, I think he tried his best. He tried his best. He really did. But he's 
he's acrobatic. He's not yeah, he's, a dancer. He's a fit guy. Yeah. Like, like he does plenty of, of acrobatic stuff in here, and there's plenty of times that he's, mm-hmm. like, climbing around the set, you know, displaying athleticism. There's a reason he's not always in the front of scenes when they have group dancing. Yes. Very, <laughs> very well put, Kay. They okay. moved the kid from Sister, Sister, and Smart Guy to the front instead. <laughs> who, when I saw him, I was like, that's right, he's in this! <laughs> I can't remember his name now. I remembered it when we were watching it, and I forgot it again. <laughs> As is <Fuck>. life. <laughs> okay, so, we after we have uh, Grand Theft Equine, <laughs> we then get a very serious business meeting between Pulitzer, who is the villain of the show... And was uh, he was seen in an earlier scene after the the initial Newsies introduction song, and he's getting uh, when they're getting their papers and stuff. Then they're mm. out and they're like extra, extra. Like then we see him in his office complaining about how he's not beating one of his rivals, and they start yeah. hatching a plan. How can we make more money? You know, doing that stuff. Yeah. And uh, Pulitzer is a prick and is trying to figure out how he can make more money. Charging more for a paper is out of the question, and cutting salaries at the top is out of the question, because of fucking course it is. Hmm. So the middle ground is to charge the poor kids who sell the papers more for their papers to sell. Mm-hmm. Neat! Pulitzer's right-hand man is like, it's going to be really rough on those kids. And Pulitzer is like, nonsense. They'll see it as a challenge to sell more papers. Hey, Pulitzer, eat a dick. <sighs> Cut. It makes its own gravy. It makes its own gravy. Only if you do it right. <laughs> Only if you do it right. Every man has faced the wood chipper at least once in their life. Kay has a look on their face. I'm not going to say it. It's too horrific. Fair enough. <laughs> Cut to the next morning when the kids are like, What the fuck, Weasel? Why'd you hike the price? We're poor kids who barely get by as it is, and you're making our lives harder. And Weasel goes, and Weasel goes, (laughs) Or whatever Weasels sound like. But it translates to, because we can, so deal with it. (laughs) And the kids are like, fuck this shit. And they decide to strike. There is some resistance at first, but when they're like, we'll get all the newsies in the city organized and joining us. And if they don't, we'll beat the ever-loving hell out of them until they join us. (laughs) And the now radicalized paperboy extremists take to the street to raise hell. Because they're all mad as hell. And they're not going to take it anymore. (laughs) A journalist sees the boys cheering and jeering and is like, hmm, a potential story. We see Bruzy, under the wise advisement of older paper brother, go to deliver their demands to Pulitzer himself. Bruzy takes little paper brother with him in the hopes that the little kid will soften the old man's stone heart. Because who doesn't love a cute little kid? (laughs) Apparently them. (laughs) Uh... Journalist man approaches older paper brother and is like, Yeah, so what's up, Doc? What's the deal with this? And the kids give a quick explanation of the strike. But the conversation is interrupted by bruisey cow Batman and little paper bro (laughs) being thrown out of Pulitzer's place of business. The journalist man who played the president from Independence Day (laughs) takes the boys out for lunch to hear the story and gives them his card so he can follow up with them about... Uh, regarding the strike. The next scene. 
we see the Newsies talking about how they need to get all the Newsies from all of New York on their side, or they won't succeed. Apparently, Spot Conlon? Yes. Spot Conlon in Brooklyn seems to be the most feared Newsie in all the land, and Bruzy sets out on a brave quest with some of his pals to go talk to the gang leader. They go to Brooklyn and talk to Spot, who, uh... Yeah, I was joking about being a gang leader. Not anymore. <laughs> that kid is a gangster. And apparently, he appears to be the head of the Irish Newsies Mafia or something. Because everybody is kind of like... Like, they they treat him with respect. Like, mm-hmm. they, they don't really give him shit. Yeah. Because they're kind of like... He'll have you killed. <laughs> like, it, they, there's definitely some fear there. Yep. Uh, he probably has some bodies in his living he room. He probably does. Not skeletons, bodies. bodies. <laughs> They're fresh from that morning. <laughs> yes. Spot tells Bruzy that how does he know that he can trust them, huh? How does he know that they won't break when the first bull with a club comes around? Bruzy is like, because I said so. And Spot is like, well, we'll see. <laughs> the next scene. The Newsies go to Pulitzer's paper place to wreck shit. They knock papers out of the hands of the scabs who are still willing to sell papers, and the horde of street rats wreck the place, destroying every paper they can get their hands on. We see Weasel through the window as he calls the fuzz, and the Newsies flee, all but poor Crutchy. Yes, that's his name. I'm not just being a dick. I saved that. I did not tell, I made a point of not telling you any character names other than Cowboy Kelly Yeah, for they, that reason. They have some interesting names like Pie Face and like they just, they have all these different names, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't care to remember most of them because a lot of them are only mentioned like maybe once and mm-hmm. they'll often like rapid fire say them like, yeah. you, 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 go here, you, 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 go there, like stuff Crutchy. like that. Crutchy! Crutchy! <laughs> Because it was one of those things, because I was, I was listening to this uh, a while back, kind of figuring out which shows we were going to do again. And um, it, again, it had, been a, it had been a long time since seeing Newsies. And so, like, it was one of those, oh, I, it had come out. And I, oh. Goober has to go potty. Goober has to go potty. Goober and pause this, and we'll go take Latte out. We'll be right back after this potty break. Back from Latte's potty break. I was saying something, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, shit. Uh, We got interrupted by the bodily needs of the dog. Um, Okay. It probably wasn't important. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Tone Deaf, where the rules are made up and nothing matters. (laughs) Just like life. <laughs> okay, so we're back on Crutchy. And, uh, oh my god, that's where I was. Okay, you were on so Crutchy. So I was, I was talking about how I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. Because I, I remember seeing this movie, but I did not remember the name Crutchy until I was listening to the soundtrack for the stage version. And was like, what? <laughs> His name is What? And Latte is now picking this very moment to finish eating her dinner, so there may be some crunches. Yep, and then she will probably whimper again to be like, Cookie. God, our dog is so spoiled. I love our dog. <laughs> I, I do love too. love her so much. Anyways, our do- a love for our dog aside, we're talking about Crutchy, damn it! <laughs> Crutchy! 
was way too enthralled by the destruction of the newspapers and is the only one to be caught by the fuzz as he tries to escape. And he gets roughed up by two... by. So I think it's implied later on that the two goons are Weasel's nephews or something? Something like that, related, yeah. Because they call him Uncle yeah. Weasel or whatever. Uncle Weasel. And so there's these two goons that we see throughout the course of the movie that are about the same age as the Newsy boys. But mm-hmm. they're just thugs, you know, who are dumb and assholes. Yeah. Anyways, they apprehend uh, Crutchy and they, like, kick his crutch out of his hand and knock him to the ground and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, yeah, because, you know. <sighs> okay, that night, Bruzy and the older paper brother go to the child prison to liberate Crutchy. They find out that Crutchy got roughed up and really isn't in the condition to escape. The rescue rangers leave Crutchy at his <laughs> at his own request. Wrong Disney show. Rescue rangers. Kay just caught a brainworm, y'all. Uh, no. <laughs> thoughts and prayers for Kay out there. Anyways, so the rescue rangers uh, leave Clutch, uh, Crutchy at his own request, and the next morning they return to Pulitzer's paper house. But it's a trap! Pulitzer. <laughs> Pulitzer hired strike breakers to uh, break up the strike. More specifically, break the heads of those who are striking when it looks like, uh, <clears throat> when it looks as though our heroes will be dashed upon the clubs and chains of these foes. Who, who should show up to save the day? Spot Conlin. Him and his merry band of Irish gangsters spring from the rooftops, armed with slingshots. See Spot. <laughs> See Spot, shoot. Shoot, Spot, shoot. Uh, and they fire from the rooftops and all and help break up the strike breakers and give our heroes the second win that they needed to fight their way to victory. President President Independence Day journalist is there to snap a victory photo, which is on the cover of the newspaper he's working for. The Sun is the name of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. The following morning, the newsies all marvel over their picture in the paper, and they feel like the kings of New York, and they sing about those feelings of amazement. <laughs> We see the children, we see the child prison again, and Crutchy coming into the warden's office to clean up his lunch. He sees the paper with his friends on the cover, and he's like, Hey, it's my very good friends who I know very well. And the warden busts an excitement nut and is like, <laughs> You know this boy? Uh, yeah, you know this boy. Where is he? And Crutchy is like, I, uh, I was mistaken. I have a bad brain that's not so good. And he tries to limp away, but with the warden following him, it implies that he presses the young man for further details. I'm gonna go beat a kid senseless. Ah. We then see the newsies planning for a big old rally to celebrate and plan. The warden comes in and is talking to the owner of the location. It's like, it must be, I don't know, uh, uh, not a... There's a name for... A workhouse where, like, it's it's a residence for working people who can't afford, like, a, yeah. I don't know what it's called. I, I don't know what it's called. It's like a and I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. So all the newsy kids live at this place, you know, that obviously charges them to stay there, mm-hmm. but at least they have shelter, you know, yeah. rather than sleeping on the street. And the owner of that establishment is the old guy who was coming around children earlier in the scene. <laughs> Giggity. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, so the warden comes in and he's talking to the owner of the location and he's all, Do you have a bruisey cow Batman here? He's a dangerous criminal who needs to be apprehended. And everyone there gives the warden the finger and laughs at him. All while bruisey gives him the finger to the back of his head while he's like ninja-ing around him. Mm -hmm. However, when the warden is just about to leave, he does give a nickel to the Newsies strike fund. Yep. We then see Pulitzer in his office talking to the mayor, the police chief, and the warden as they hatch a plan to arrest Bruzy at the rally and effectively cut the head off the strikers. The night of the Newsies rally comes and all the Newsies are like, We stand together or we fall apart. Are you with me? And they're all like, <laughs> yeah. And then the fancy dancing business lady comes out to dance and they're like, yeah. Holy hell. I should have turned my head more. <laughs> They're way more excited for the prospect of TNA than the prospect of uh, winning their strike. I'll just say it that way. Mm -hmm. And all the horny young men eye hump the dancing lady while the <laughs> warden and the police circle in on the rally. The excitement of the rally is cut short as all hell breaks loose and the cops arrest Bruzy. The event is full of running, jumping, fighting, and we see Bruzy, Cow Batman, audition for more of a Spider-Man role with how he <laughs> climbs and navigates this environment. Broadway Cinematic Universe, mm, he's, he's the great-great-uncle, or great-great-not-uncle, great-great-grandfather, Peter Parker, for Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. We don't talk about that. Bite your tongue. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> he's auditioning for his Spider-Man role with how he climbs and navigates the environment. Despite all the newsies trying to help him escape, Bruzy gets punched in the face and taken away by the fuzz. <laughs> in the next scene, all the kids who got arrested at the rally are in court, and the judge is like, I charge each of you five dollars or two weeks in the slammer. And we see all the kids be like, we ain't got five cents, let alone five bucks. Hey, your honor. How about we rolls for it? Double or nothing. And the president of in the president Independence Day journalist comes into the court and is like, I'll pay for all the kids' fees, with the exception of Bruzy, who has other charges. He's brought in and taken to the judge, who talks with the warden. The warden reveals Bruzy's secret identity and that his mother is dead and his father in prison. The warden lays out all of Bruzy's charges and is like, he should be kept in kitty jail until he's 21. And the judge is like, okay, gavel noises. <laughs> and just like that, Bruzy is in the slammer. <laughs> However, not for long, as the warden takes Bruzy to go and talk to Pulitzer. Pulitzer tries to bribe Bruzy, telling him that he'll work for him until the strike is over, and once it's good and dead, he'll give him money and send him off free. Bruzy is kinda like, yeah, go fuck yourself, Joe, but Pulitzer is like, why don't you sleep on it tonight? You got one shot, don't let it pass you up. And also, that's a pretty good uh, family that your friend there has. Oh, that's right, he makes Be a... Be a shame if something were to happen to him. Yeah, he makes a mob-style threat to... Uh harm the paper family mm -hmm. the paper family looks good be a shame if someone were to rub them out another mafia thing. <laughs> another mafia slang <laughs> which oh. this is where communication would have fixed everything <laughs> mm. <Yeah. laughs> just <sighs> you got some young people with uh 
their pride in air quotes. But it, it would have fixed so many things. Mm. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, Bruzy is escorted out of Pulitzer's house. However, the elder paper brother was waiting outside to rescue Bruzy, and he does just that. By sabotaging the carriage, the bad business adults are unable to give chase. Because <laughs> that part was great. Like, he mm-hmm. had snuck in and he, like, disconnected the part where the horse connects to the carriage. Yeah. And so when they go to give chase, the horse just takes off and the uh-huh. carriage stays there. Yep. So I thought that was cool. The newly liberated Bruzy runs off with elder brother, but then stops to be like, What are you doing? You shouldn't have done that. You got a family and shit. I was just in there, and he was threatening to do bad stuff to you. And he tells him to go home. We then see Bruzy sleeping in an alley and singing sadly about Santa Fe. And we get a better understanding about why he uh, was sad in the earlier family scene. The next morning, as the Newsies head to protest outside the paper place, we see Bruzy in fancy clothes, carrying papers. He's a damn scab! A no-good, dirty, rotten, backstabbing rat of a Newsie! And all the other Newsies yell at him for being a traitor. We see elder paper brother come up to talk to Bruzy, who's like, I have, I have to make money for once, you know? I have to take care of myself. I ain't got no family. And elder paper brother is like, I thought we... The Newsies were all your family, and a sad walk away, followed by a quick turnaround and attempted charge at Bruzy, but Elder Paper Brother is stopped by the Fuzz, who throw him back into the crowd of Newsies and escort the paper-selling scabs, protecting them from the Newsy mob. And here's where real life and Newsies really take a split. Okay, so when I get done with my notes, I want yep. you to hit us with the uh, historical facts. Just want to let you know that this is where the split happens. So in that he didn't do that, he didn't... He, Kid Blink, uh, was suspected of becoming a scab. Okay. And that is what leads to what really happens. Okay. Oh, and in the earlier court scene where Independence President slash journalist tells the Newsies... Uh, that no paper will cover the strike. So, like, after he rescues them from court and he's like, I'll pay all their bails, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he then says, I meet you get kids at the restaurant. I need to talk to you. And then he tells them that uh, no newspapers covered the strike and that uh, he has been essentially, well, not demoted, but he's been relocated to mm-hmm. go be a war correspondent and that he's a newspaper man and he's got to have a newspaper to write for. He also gives Elder Paper Brother the story that he wrote about the Newsies rally, but Elder Paper Bro hands the article to Little Bro, who wraps his hot dog around it, so that scene happened. Oh, you were taking it in a... Oh, naughty K. Bad K. Just the way you said it. (laughs) He wraps his hot dog around it. Save it for later. Granted, wrap... Jesus. I you know. Anyways, the Newsies strike is not broken yet, and at night we see Weasel showing the young Master Bruzy to his chambers. <laughs> his dusty, dirty, dank bat cave of a chamber. <laughs> and he gives him the friendly reminder that if he does anything, anything against them, he'll go straight to Mr. Pulitzer and Bruzy will be back in the slammer. Bruzy sleeps on his crappy cot and looks all sad. The next morning, as he's going up to get his scab papers to scab sell, we see two <laughs> goons, the two goons that I mentioned earlier that might be Weasel's nephews or whatever. Mm-hmm. They uh, confront him, and they tell him that they're going to go beat up Elder Paper Brother. And Bruzy gets angry, but he stops, as Weasel is like, Ha ha ha! 
I'll tell Mr. Pulitzer. And Bruzy is like, ah, shucks. I guess I have to let my friend get beaten up. And then he grabs his paper and he goes. We see the two goons stalking the sister uh, who Bruzy has been macking on the whole show. And they corner her and it looks like they're going to assault her. Uh, little paper brother, mm -hmm. Little paper brother tries to stop them, but he gets beaten up. An elder paper brother comes to the rescue, only to get his ass kicked. We then see Bruzy start to develop his Batman sense of vigilantism <laughs> as he hears the cries and comes running to fight off the two goons who were like, We're gonna tell Uncle Weezer. Weezer? Weasel, you're gonna be in trouble. And the two chodes squeal and run away. <laughs> Bruzy, the leader, turned traitor, turned hero, is like, I'm Batman. <laughs> And the scene changes to the paper brother, sister, love it. Uh, sorry. So the scene changes to paper brother, sister, love interest, and Bruzy. I guess, oh, sorry. I should have said the paper brothers because it's both mm -hmm. the little and the older. The sister and Bruzy showing up at the Independence Day president's house to be like, did you mean what you said in this here article you wrote that I'm like inspirational to all the sweatshop kids? I do want to say it was kind of gross that little paper brother had had that wrapped up hot dog for at least a day. You know, um, they're probably struggling to put enough food on the table. Still, though. <laughs> you know, it toughens up his immune system. He's a scrappy little guy. He can handle it. That's how uh, Teen Angel started, basically. Teen the Angel? ABC show. Uh, kid eats a hot dog. Or not a hot dog, a hamburger that was under his bed and then he dies. Then comes back as a Teen Angel that has to do deeds for his friend. ABC was weird during TG, TGIF, like the, the TGIF lineup that had Sabrina the Teenage Witch as well. Okay. <laughs> I have nothing to commit to that other than dumb shit shouldn't have eaten an under-the-bed hamburger. <laughs> How did that happen? I mean, okay, anyways. <laughs> so they show up at uh, Independence Day President Journalist House to be like, Hey, did you mean what you wrote? And the newspaper man reveals the dark underbelly of child labor in New York City and how lots of rich and powerful people prey on the kids for their wealth. They hatch a plan to start their own newspaper so that they can spread the word themselves, since no paper will publish the story. They sneak into Pulitzer's place and find an old hand-operated manual printer. The team spends the entire night making papers. And come morning, they hand the papers out to all the newsies who then distribute the papers among the population. Doing the quietest printing press stuff ever. <laughs> I imagine that that, that wouldn't have worked very well. Like they, no. they sneak down into the basement, you know, all quiet-like and shit, and then they start assembling stuff. But I would imagine that, like, it probably would not have been that quiet, like... Exactly. Like, I'm like, what did operating you fucking the drug weasel like? <laughs> they could slit his weasel throat in his sleep for all I care. <laughs> we, okay, we see the papers making their rounds and uh, even finding its way to the Governor Roosevelt, who is like, what? Child labor and exploiting of minors? This is terrible. <laughs> and he sets out to raise some hell. Hell is indeed raised all over New York, and a massive protest is amassed outside Pulitzer's office. Bruzy and Elder Paper Brother go in to meet with Pulitzer, and are like, We got you by the balls, Joe! And Pulitzer gives in, and the strike is over. 
the returning heroes come out of Pulitzer's office and are like, we won, the strike's over, and everyone cheers with excitement. <laughs> so something I want to draw attention to that I forgot to mention. When uh, Bruzy is initially talking with Pulitzer after he's been arrested, and Pulitzer's mm-hmm. like, come work for me, uh, and then when this is all over, you can go, you'll be free, and you'll have money. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Pulitzer is talking about how the power of the press, basically. Yeah. He says that, you know, the newspapers tell people what to think, how you know how to vote, kind of thing. He's like, I am shaping history, you know. Yeah. He's very high on himself. Yeah. Uh, but there is something to be said with, you know, the power of distributing information, you know, mm-hmm. especially at that time period. You know, mm-hmm. Now we have the freaking internet and something that happens halfway across the, across the world is known by everybody in five minutes. And then everybody thinks that the internet will give you coronavirus. Okay. Not going to open that <laughs> brainworm salad sack of stupid. Okay. <clears throat> so, but when they're in the scene, like after he's telling them that, you know, the power of the press, I have the power, blah, 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 blah. When the elder paper brother and Bruzy go to confront uh, Pulitzer, as there's that huge protest outside of his office, mm-hmm. he's like, ah, he, he, he has like a Grinch moment where he's like, the noise, 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 yeah. like has a thing with that. And uh, Bruzy is confronting him and he's like, no, they have the power, da, 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 da. And that's what gets him to kind of finally cave in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so they won the strike. Happy endings for everybody. Uh <laughs> Everyone is high off of the victory, and we see a carriage carrying children show up, and all the kids from Kid Jail... It's the child catcher. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, it's the child dispenser, because the kids are all being freed. <laughs> so... I think you took that in a different way. I think Kay made that child dispenser joke, or child dispenser comment dirty, y'all. No, it's just... Oh, then I made it dirty. <laughs> I make it so dirty. Warren! Anyways, all the kids from Kid Jail are set free, and the warden is now the one under arrest. Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, oh, oh how the tables have turned. <laughs> Crutchy is the one to shut the door on the warden, but gives, but first gives him some advice. Yeah, when you get to jail... Make friends with the rats. Find some common ground. <laughs> and everyone cheers as the warden is carted off to drop the soap in a prison shower somewhere. <laughs> we then see Bruzy meeting Roosevelt, who is to take him wherever he would like to go. And Bruzy implies that he's going to the tracks in order to board a train for Santa Fe. And we see Bruzy ride off with Roosevelt. All of his friends are sad, and they think that it's all over. But as they stand in line to get their papers and resume their normal lives, we see Bruzy coming back. Turns out he just needed a ride around the block with a supportive father figure to give him some advice. <laughs> Bruzy hops out and kisses his love interest, much to the cheers of the crowd. And everyone is super happy that they get to continue living their poor lives selling papers on the street. Yay! No meaningful changes happened. Yay! They didn't raise the price of papers by 10 cents. Yay! It's so good to be a newsie. The end. 
saving at a little freeze frame there with one of the kids. That was great. So that like, was so great. Because he's like jumping, twirling, dancing, everybody's all excited, and then does a freeze frame with a kid midair as the credits start to roll. And then like when part of the song finishes, it resumes and the kid eats shit and lands and like rolls, <laughs> which I feel like is just perfect. Because there, I feel like there's some goddamn symbolism there. Because it's like, yay, we're happy. But then he gets the hard reality of, oh shit, I'm still a poor newsie who's being taken advantage of. And child labor laws aren't going to be a thing. Uh, for at least, I don't know, what, 30 years? Uh, they, cha- they raised the age to 12 in the early 1900s. Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, ready to have a buzzkill on that ending? (laughs) (laughs) You mean the ending where everybody gets to resume their poor, diseased, uh, half-starved lives? So basically, like, Kid Blink gets accused of being a scab and gets completely, like, uh, you know, he, he no longer is the leader, basically. And so then they keep trying to find a new leader, but nothing is, like, the strike just starts fizzling. Just starts fucking fizzling. And then they they make a deal. The newspapers are still 60 cents. Oh my god. And so what, what was the deal then? The deal was that the news the newspapers were still 60 cents, but any unsold papers would be bought back. Which, on the one hand, okay. But on the other hand, still having kids uh, <laughs> yes. work for... For, for a penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for pennies. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, the value of things was different back then. Yeah. But still. But, uh, and wow. then their union disbanded August 2nd of that year. <laughs> so, a whole, yeah. so, a whole lot of uh, mm-hmm. effort for not very much. Yeah, if, if they... You know, and I, I'm kind of disappointed that when Roosevelt showed up, they didn't have him riding on a moose, because that would have been just as accurate. <laughs> Smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yep. <sighs> yep. I like this this episode though. Um, it, it, like the show, you know, it's not it's not gonna be my favorite at no. all. You know, but it it's not <laughs> it's not Lost Horizon. So there's that. Nothing is uh, Lost Horizon. <laughs> I feel bad that um that it was a flop. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like it was flop-worthy material. No, absolutely um, not. You know, because it was actually decent. And, like, if I was a kid and had seen this, this very well could have been um, something that I would have liked, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, when this came out in 92, I was four or five, depending. You were five turning six, because I was four turning five. Yes, I was five. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I remember, because 92 was fucking formative for me, oh, so... I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know what's, uh, you know what's very formative? What? Our wonderful listeners who come back... Don't you want to know what we're watching next? Well, I just wanted to... Oh, think... you want to thank them now, I, too? I, I was, yeah. I don't know, I was, I was, I was, I was <laughs> grasping at, uh, at something. At something... Positivity Straws? Yes, Positivity Straws. But, hey... Why don't you tell us about the next show that we're going to be enjoying? So the next show... Oh, God. We're going back to... Uh... No. <laughs> okay. Newsies again. Oh, this really? This time, we're going to watch 
the live stage version. Okay, I was curious. I was going to ask you about that. Like, yes. I wasn't sure. I, I want to like, do a compare and contrast cool. of the two because I haven't seen the stage version at all. And I've heard stories, so we'll see how it stacks up to the movie. Well, I'm very excited to see that because I know yeah. I've talked about before that if we had a stage version and a movie version, I'm mm-hmm. totally up with seeing the different versions so that yeah. we can just enjoy enjoy variety. Absolutely. This will be kind of a primer for when we do the Annie month because there are so <laughs> many fucking adaptations of Annie. <laughs> you know what we do with that? Well, uh, you know what we do with that one? We do an Annie Battle Royale. So we review the Annie shows and then mm-hmm. we rank them and then Annies are eliminated and then at the end of the month we'll crown the winning Annie as they stand upon a a, 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 a red afro of skulls that is their defeated fallen adversaries. We have already seen one of them. So it's true. Yeah. Because I was like, we have to watch this one. It was a good one, too. Anyways. Yes. Anyways, so, so, next week, Newsies again. Fantastic. And then after that, Spoopy Month. Spoopy Month! Oh, my yep. God. We're already in talk. Yes, we are. Jesus Christ. 2020, man. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. So, thank to what we were saying earlier before I rudely interrupted. <laughs> you know what's very formative for us, Kay? What's formative for us, Warren? Our wonderful listeners. I want to thank you all so much for coming and enjoying this episode with us and for tuning in week after week. And uh, We love you. You know, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed this this, repri- or this, this uh, respite from the terribleness of the apocalyptic movie musicals and apparently there are some other ones and we're just kind of delaying the inevitable mm-hmm. uh which i'm okay with because i enjoy uh enjoying our show yes uh, so yes. i'm looking forward to seeing another version of a all right show so <laughs> thank you again so much thank for, you for listening tuning in to listen mm-hmm. if you would like to reach out to KNI, you can do so at our website which is tonedeafmusical.com where we have links to our facebook's twitters instagrams as well as a link to the cast junkie discord server where we have our own not safe for work channel please rate and review on all the places where you get your podcasts if you write a review i will sing it and if you mention latte in your review she gets a cookie yes and uh yeah, uh, I think that... Oh, you can buy shirts on our Tee Public. Um, Going to be working on the John the Giant Pink Sea Snail shirt, as well as other merch <laughs> ideas. A shell so. of a good idea, it's honey. Sh- Tone deaf. It's a shell of a show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that'll be it for this week. I think you're right. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. So we see if lots of needs to show now. Yeah, she's a very whimpering girl. Is that your whimpering?